Honolulu Sooner is mad at us. Let's uh let's let's get to this. He writes the reason why Sooner fans log he's speaking for all of you right now, so I just want to make this very clear. <laughs> don't don't send the wolves after him. Well, I'm just saying what he says, the reason why Sooner fans log on to KREF, that's that's speaking for all of them, right? Sure. Okay. Is the outward mindset that appears to include all 1.7 bazillion fans on the app. When you mention the super secret text life, I'm turned off because I don't want to know what your circle of buds are thinking. I want to hear all Sooner fans, not your buds, unless they want to get hired by KREF to be your pundits and get their name slash reputation on the line. I listen to all the staff's comments because I like your product. I get paid on the 1st and 15th if you never read any of my text. But please stop the tagline, the super secret text line. Honolulu Sooner. How do you know who's texting me on the super secret text line? How do you know that it's my buds? There's a reason why people will text me on it, and whenever it's my buds, I tell you. The super secret text line is a very solid form of information from people that don't necessarily want their name on it. But for you, Honolulu Sooner, that inside information that we get on this phone, because I don't want to lose any listeners, and apparently it offends you so much, I will stop ever giving any of the inside information that I get on the super secret Textosa line, which is simply my cell phone. So, sorry people, if I do happen to get anything from insiders on here, I can't do it anymore because apparently it's just my buddies. Is it, I mean, is it really that sensitive to it? Come on, Honolulu Sooner. All right, um, a couple of other good texts on here as well. This is not from the Super this is, Secret. Yeah, no, no. This is from the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Thank you. Yeah, this is from Sooner fans uh, from the 405. And we're just we're diving into it with, you know, who's a candidate, who isn't a candidate, um, who wants to be considered, who doesn't. I, and I think that latter part is very minimal. Right? To me, I think there is a lot of names that are just thrown out there because it's a hot offense. Willie Korn is that classic name to me. It's like, why not Willie Korn? I'm like, why not Seth Luttrell? I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna try to go get Willie Corn, elevate Seth Luttrell. What are we even doing? It's the fired head coach thing, right? Probably. Well, I bring up. I'm kind of. I'm actually really impressed that the only people that pushed back on Jeff Scott or Chad Morris's name was someone that pointed out their record as a head coach, and that was it. That's it. It's like, oh, his record. Because it makes too much sense. Oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry, Honolulu. I got a no, I got a text from an insider here, but I'm not gonna read it because I'm not reading anything off the super secret textoso line anymore. That was a <laughs> high been, ranking OU guy too. You've been barred. I'm sorry, man. But the 405 writes an offense of multiple formations, physical running, attack slash spread, but lose the hyperspeed. There's a man that listened to the Oklahoma breakdown. That sounds exactly like what Gabe said he wanted. And I agree. Dude, that's a question we brought up after Oklahoma State in literally the least confrontational way possible. We brought up, man, is a, is a up-tempo offense 
is it too easy to stop anymore because you go down with a cramp? I mean, is it really is, – is it as beneficial or is it overcompensating for something? Well, and is it – the discussion we had was, is it potentially detrimental to, to have that as a defining characteristic when, again, there's nothing in place to stop anybody from, oh, man, the hammy's, the hammy's here, and I'm laying this one down for a second. It's uh, potentially a dangerous defining characteristic for Tempo to be who you are and what you're all about. Did you, did you happen to catch when TCU tried to slow down the Oklahoma offense on Friday when two guys went down on the same play and one of them saw that the other guy was down and he popped back up? Ah, right, get back up. And then the dude that was down literally got up to when he saw there was a flag on the play. It's like, okay, we don't need to, we don't need to stay down I've, anymore. I got to go back and mark it on the tape. But, Josh, two dudes went down with an – I think it was in the end zone. And then one of them saw the other guy was hurt, and he popped up. Which is the clearest indication that, <laughs> I mean, obviously it's a ruse to slow the tempo and nobody's actually hurt. I – uh. Which, which really stinks because then it's the, the boy that cried wolf syndrome. Somebody really does get hurt. You don't think they're hurt. That's right. But Honolulu Sooner has led to a, 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 a lot of good texts and tweets on the Kinnabar Chevrolet Super Secret Textoso line. All of my buddies checking in. Uh, Pastor Andy asks a great question, or at least lays out a very interesting theory. If we are thinking Venables wants to hire someone that would run an offense complementary to his defense, what would be your top two that fit that bill? Mine? What about a guy like Colin Klein at Kansas State? Did you happen to look at the box score from the snowmageddon that took place on Saturday night between Kansas State and Iowa State? Because, no, wait, hold you were, were you up in Tulsa on Saturday? Did you have to do the Bixby game or was that Friday night? It was on Friday afternoon. Ah, Friday afternoon. Nice. Happy Black Friday to you. You get to go and cover Bixby in the state semifinals. And you know what? It was tied up 14 apiece, and then it wasn't. <laughs> They're really good, aren't they? I, I'm not bringing this up, by the way, to diminish Pastor Andy. Anything involving Colin Klein. Look at the team stats in that game, Josh. All right? First downs. Iowa, uh, Iowa State 10. Kansas State 32. <laughs> Scroll down to time of possession. Just real quick. 42 to 17. How did Kansas State lose that football game? One uh one interception thrown. <laughs> one pick. They right? actually they, they won the turnover battle. They won the turnover battle. And they lost with that kind of domination on the stat sheet. But I think that'd be interesting. But if it's one thing I've seen on the sidelines this year, and you got to remember, Jeff Levy, this will be an adjustment for him because he was a, a booth guy. He was up in the press box. So he'll be down on the sidelines. And I always kind of kept the mental note of this because I figured Jeff Levy's name would be in the coaching cycle this time around, Josh. I just thought it would be somewhere like Houston, right? I couldn't – in my mind, even though Zach Selman is there, I didn't know – that his first gig would be an SEC gig, which is awesome, right? That, that's big time. But I always watched how 
the other coaches, specifically those who are allowed to do things on game day and those who aren't, kind of what they were like around the the quarterbacks. And, dude, I saw a lot of guys that stepped up and were were there. You know, build them up. Matt Wells, a lot. Seth Luttrell, hey, you know, we got – just in general in those conversations, whatever they're allowed to do. So that was always a big thing for me. True Sooner. Joe John Finley's got to be the favorite, right? And do you think Levy would have left if the Bryles thing didn't happen? The only silver lining, by the way, too, and no, you're not playing Saturday, is we're guaranteed bragging rights in Texas for 11 more months. When I saw 11, I thought you were going to say it's not another 11 a.m. kick. I do think that Levy still goes. It's I a, do, too. It's, it's a good, good situation for him. Good it's job. good job for him. The, uh, what do we hear all the time from coaches about why – a job is a great one, and it's the alignment with the athletic director, the president, right, to, to have that in place. He's got that. Can I th- – there is, there is one thing that I'm seeing quite a bit here on the, on the text line, and I think it's, it, it's not necessarily our place to say what is and isn't right or our place to – our place to say what's the the proper way to approach it. But there's a lot of you that feel some sort of way about the fact that Jeff Levy hasn't had a social media post thanking Oklahoma. Y'all, what? Do you see how you treated that man on social media? And he's supposed to be like, hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I think the people that – He's grateful for know how grateful he was for them to be there. Well, and he's not a big social media guy anyway. Yeah, he's just not from that generation. He's a little old. Yeah, he's a little closer to my age. Yeah. Younger than me, but he's not. Levy's going to be a guy. Dude, Brent Finnables did not want him to go. Then again, you say that he's not a social media guy. Has there Have there been any Facebook posts? I have not seen any Facebook posts. From him? Why, is he a Facebook poster? Well, he was updating that profile picture. Oh, oh, I see. Just, just when he changed the picture to his uh, father-in-law. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So if there was any update to be had, it would have been uh, on the book of faces. I just I – don't, I don't understand that he didn't – they did the same thing with Brady whenever he left New England or when he retired, right? He never said goodbye to New England. It's like, well, well – And it wouldn't be altogether shocking if there's some not-so-super-fuzzy feelings. He shouldn't. With the way y'all treat him on social media, I wouldn't say bye to you either. Now, See, I, love I, I would. People, I would make a little bit of an argument that some of that was self-inflicted. Oh, sure, absolutely. But having said that, all the same, to try and be fair as fair here, yeah, I mean, let's let's not act like he was uh, beloved by the fan base. I have a question. Yeah, so that's whenever it's like, well, how dare he not put this? I'm like, you wanted him gone. The coach didn't want him gone. Brent Venables wanted him to stay. I've got a, things that Jeff Lebby did that were good at Oklahoma. All right? He committed to NIL and was a driving force behind it and was a driving force behind making sure, and part of it might have been he was very involved in recruiting the main position that is benefiting from NIL, and that's quarterback. And he was in that game. Let me tell you, he laid out the offensive, the, the the quarterback plan, you know, pending these guys staying committed for Oklahoma through at least, what, the next three recruiting cycles? 
right? I mean, now, there's going to be some work to be done on that room in 2024. We, we need to find a serviceable backup to Jackson Arnold. But for the most part, I, I feel like there's a really good plan in place, Josh, with what the quarterback trajectory looks like over the next couple of recruiting classes, pending all of those quarterbacks staying committed, right? Sure. And, well, you got Hawkins that's in there. He tweeted today, and he was like, I'm all in. Um, uh, I mean, is he is he not the uh, backup coming in? Uh, is he in this coming recruiting class, or is he in the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you okay. got Sperry after that. Well, but again, I mean, do you, you're going into the SEC. Do you want a true freshman as your backup quarterback? Probably not. Right. But and, and I don't know if there's going to be quarterbacks in the portal that are like, oh, I'll go there to be the backup quarterback. Unless Hawkins is really, really good. Right. Who knows? But Hawkins in the next class, Sperry in the next yeah, pretty good spot at the quarterback position. And then number three, regardless of how you feel about him, at a time whenever everything about Oklahoma's offensive approach was centered around one dude, and that dude was Lincoln Riley, he came in and he he stabilized it. Now, give that credit to Brent Venables for stabilizing the program, but offensively, they got a Dylan Gabriel in here. Could you imagine? And I know the natural reaction is, well, Jackson Dart would have come here. Fine. But could you imagine, you know, not having Dylan Gabriel when Clay Caleb Williams transferred or waiting out of Jackson Dart? Who knows? So, to me, I give him a lot of credit for stabilizing that offensive mindset even through what could have been a time when things could have been a bit of a struggle. And they've really recruited well. They have. So I understand that this is a celebratory day for a lot of people. Good. I hope – and Oklahoma has a history of always hiring smart, sharp offensive coordinators. But I do think that there has to be this pause to realize, dude did some really good things here. And there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that you'll never know. And I wonder if in five or six years from now people are going to look back and say, dang, we had some pretty good offenses then. Everyone was complaining about Kevin Wilson whenever he was here. Now, all of a sudden, the Kinnipemeyer Chevrolet text line has people that are like, why not Kevin Wilson? <laughs> you know, even Sean was like, why not Kevin Wilson? Right? So, I just, I feel like time leads us to, hell, oh, there are people that were mad at BV back in 2010 and 2011. Or, how, yeah, 2011. How Levy's stint goes in Mississippi State will go, I think, a, a long way in a little bit of the revisionist history. If oh, it goes yeah. well, then it's, hey, well, he did a, a pretty good job at Oklahoma. If it goes poorly, see, I, I told you he wasn't the right guy. Agreed. And how, how does the next OC fare at Oklahoma? Well, and that's most of it, too. That's that's the probably the biggest piece of it. I, I think that there is just – it's tough. It's tough to be a coach or a coordinator at a place like Oklahoma because of the high expectations. And that goes for Alabama. That goes for Georgia. That goes for blue blood college football programs. But you are compensated nicely for that. And there is a high level of expectation. Well, so, and he got the Mississippi State job because of it. And you can get a head coach's job and set your family up for generations if you're in it from a financial perspective. But I also – any coach, any offensive coordinator, any outside of maybe a handful of places, probably have an interest in coming here. Knowing what you have roster-wise, 
knowing what you have as far as where you're heading as a program, knowing the facilities and the support that you have, this is a big-time job. You're not scraping the bottom of the, bar- of, of the barrel to go get someone to come take this gig. Yeah, I, the last quarter century tells you that there's no better OC gig. In fact, there's one from Jake from Pitcher. Let's go after Kevin Wilson. OU offensive coordinator position is better than Holt, Tulsa head coach. No offense, Tulsa. I mean, Kevin Wilson left as the Ohio State offensive coordinator to take the Tulsa job. And I know everybody uh, tends to know more about what's going on at Ohio State because you've posted on a message board. But I do a show every Saturday morning with one of the most prominent Ohio State alumni and media guys, period. And he said that they badly wanted Kevin Wilson back, and he took the Tulsa gig. But I digress. Um, And then the 5-1-2. If BV lands a top-10 class in two weeks after Lincoln Riley quit, then he can do the same without – he can do the same while looking for an offensive coordinator. And and 10-2, right, riding the ship helps a lot this year. If you're out sure there and does. it's another six and six, six and seven season, then we might not be getting all of these. I'm committed. I'm here. It might be a little bit tougher, but I, I think, I think for that five one two, I agree with you. But I would also add that it makes it a little bit easier if you do have that guy in house. Some say wait until after signing day, wait until after the the second signing period, so you can. You can have your class set, and then if things change, you've got your guy signed. But I do think players are smarter than they've ever been, and they've been, they're more, well, not, maybe not smarter, more powerful than they've ever been. And if you don't have an OC in place, and it's like, what's your offense going to look like, coach? Who's that guy? It's like, well, you're coming to Oklahoma. I'm going to have you a great guy. That's a great sales piece, right? And it should be enough to work. But sometimes it's not. So I don't know if you can afford to wait until after signing day to get that guy in here. I don't know. I, I, it would worry me. I would think probably not. I'd like to exist in the universe where you could, but I just don't think – I don't think we're there anymore in college football. Mm. All right. Um, obviously a hot-button issue. Every so often I'll just reset what we know, and right now that's not much. I feel like Brent Venables is going to, to handle this offensive coordinator search in a very clandestine way. I think in the midst of – it's actually pretty good timing that Oklahoma's not in the Big 12 championship game because he has maybe some extra time that he can commit to that as opposed to game planning and then roster management and getting out there and seeing who you might be interested in in the transfer portal. So I, I think that's a good thing for Oklahoma. But I would also add, I don't even know what his timeline is going to look like. How about this? Go ahead. Could a new offensive coordinator provide a little bit of a little bit of late juice in this class offensively for Oklahoma? Maybe so. One final phone call, new face. Hey, look at the vision here. Maybe so. Maybe somebody that uh, thought the door was closed says, you know what, I, I do want to take a look at that. Quick break. We'll get to more of your text and more of the things we know, which isn't much, except if you follow the tea leaves, you would think that there's you know, four really good potential candidates already on staff. Brennan Marion's name is one that has been mentioned publicly. He has other opportunities that are out there as well. And remember, that's a guy that's only been an OC for one year. And a dynamic recruiter, maybe he would be a guy that they would try to bring in as a co-OC. I don't know. But it's one of the names that's been mentioned, and we've talked about some guys that have ties to Brent Venables. But what does it all mean? We'll be breaking it down next right here on The Ref. 
I like how the lack of a uh, proper goodbye has some people feeling some sort of way. Angry Ronnie writes, regardless, you still think the school that gave you an opportunity, professional thing to do. Angry Ronnie, how do you know that he didn't do that? How do you know that he wasn't in Brent Venable's office and talking through this or Joe C or whomever? How do you know? Because it wasn't on social media. We all would have dumped all over him anyway. And he might still post something eventually. Sure. I mean, Absolutely. Look, uh, you're talking about we want everything we want everything lightning fast, right? Right, right. here, right now. But you're talking about if the timeline is the timeline, interview middle of last week, uh, you know, officially offered the job Saturday night, accepted Sunday. I mean, that's not a lot of time to just sit there and think about, oh, I'm going to go post this on social media. I mean, things are moving pretty quick here. Sure. I mean, not, I, not, not been a lot of time to settle down, I wouldn't think. I got a really, really good tip on the super secret Textoso line about a couple of names, but – since I'm not allowed to use it anymore. Not in Honolulu. <laughs> um, Gunny does ask for some credit on something here. Oh, he does? Yeah. He's like, I do honestly think he should thank me for giving him the Jet Lebby nickname. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, great job, Gunny. And congratulations to, to you and the family. And then there is this from Joe in Tulsa. He goes, your opinion on these possibilities. Lebby tries to get the old Baylor staff back together. He can get Philip Montgomery or Kendall Bryles to be OC and Art as an analyst. Art as Venables go after Montgomery. He needs a younger OC that can re- recruit too. If Latrell wants it, I'd love that hire. Chad Morris is a little older than OU needs in my opinion. Yeah, I brought up Chad Morris and Jeff Scott just because they're two names that spent a lot of time with Brent at Clemson and both have been successful offensive play callers. Now, the the head coaching run for Jeff Scott at USF didn't go so well, nor did Chats uh, Morris's at um, Arkansas. Arkansas after he was pretty good at SMU, and then he got he was part of that staff that got blown out at at Auburn. And I want to say he went back to the high school ranks, but I I, I think understanding or a, a guy that understands what you want is great. I don't. I think Philip Montgomery is in a really good spot at Auburn right now. I mean, they almost beat Alabama this weekend, so I don't necessarily know if he would be on that quick train to Starkville. I think what's going to be real interesting is is how this staff is put together for Lebs. Does does he go get Kaz as his strength coach, who has done a you know that, that was part of that Baylor group? You know, does he go try to hire his brother in law? Does he want to call plays? I mean, so many times in the NFL, right, immediately a coach tries to get away from what he does well. I don't know. I don't know if he does or not. I would imagine I would imagine he does, plays, right? Yeah. Lane still essentially calls plays. Or I guess Lane gave Levy play calling, allegedly, right? <laughs> Reportedly. Reportedly. But I swear I watch every Ole Miss game, and it looks to me like Lane Kiffin's calling plays. <laughs> Kinda like Brent Venables, right? Oh, he's got a defensive coordinator. No, no, I'm pretty sure Ben Venable's calling that defense game in a game out. But it's a, it's a good question, Joe, and Tulsa. It's a fair question. Uh, and then real quick from the 8-3-2, give a young and up-and-comer that we can count on being at OU longer than two years. If, if he's here for two years and you have success in the SEC, that's going to be about – the amount of time you're going to have with an OC. That's just the reality. Two, three of years. It. 
tops. If yeah, if it's going well, right now, if it goes south, and you guys will want them fired as soon as they have one bad game. But yeah, I don't, I don't know, Josh, about you know what is considered to be a good amount of time. I don't care how long the the the, the guy is here. I want him to win. If if you're here as a coordinator, probably longer than three years then either you really love it here or you haven't got that head coaching opportunity that you're you waiting want. for a very specific that's, big time opportunity. That's my hope, right? Yeah. I want everyone coming after you. And the historic track record at Oklahoma has been if things are going good, yeah, probably the OC's not sticking around for a prolonged period of time. Um Brian, welcome to the show. What's going on, Brian? How are you? Sorry, it would help if I would punch Brian. Oh, hand. there he is. What's up, Brian? <laughs> hey guys, how's it going? Couple, <clears throat> excuse me. Couple things, Chris. Um, well, I do want to give my thoughts on the uh, offense, right? Uh, but is what your uh, that K State Iowa State game? What well, was the game for Iowa State? Was I believe what I saw yesterday? They averaged almost fourteen yards per play. <laughs> Big plays, man. In twenty plus years of any college football, it was a wild and, watch. I mean, they <laughs> they're still having. Nightmares over that uh, in in Manhattan, I'm sure, because they had at least seven or eight plays of over 60 yards. There was one where yeah. I kid you not, it looked like a running back was running out of bounds because the snow was so heavy, and I kind of yeah. think that the Kansas State offense, our defense, thought it too, and literally he was just running down the sidelines, and everyone yeah. just looked like they'd kind of quit on the play. It was unreal. Yeah, it was. I mean, K State, I think ran. I'm not sure you may want to look it up, but. Man, at least 40, 40 to 50 more plays than I would think. Oh, yeah. No, we were just looking at it. The time of possession yeah, yeah. was, what was it, Josh, like 40 to 12 or something ridiculous like that? It was insane. Yeah. Now, I don't have any names as far as the OC, but I, and I don't know if this is possible or not, but what I would love to see, my ideal, would be a coordinator that brings a little more diversity to the offense, Still run some RPO, but not as much. Uh, have the line come off the ball a little bit stronger. Let's go back to some H-backs. Let's use the actual tight end, throw to them. Um, have some, just have more types of ways to beat teams. Um, and be able to speed it up when you want to. Be able to go slow as a turtle when you need to also. And that's what I would love to see. Um, you know, somewhere across between where Oklahoma is now and, say, Michigan, uh, you might end up with, like, a Kansas kind of offense, mm-hmm. different formations, more shifting. Um, you know, we could hand the ball off to a 250-pound H-back who could run, you know, when, when we need. We could do the tush-push when we need. I mean, you know, light up under, you know, quarterback under center, that type of thing. That's what I would love to see. Yeah, no, I, I think I, would be best. I agree. I agree, and I think, and I appreciate the phone call, Brian. I think Josh, Thanks, that Josh. that gets back to what many of us feel like the identity should be. I want a little bit more of a physical offense, baby. I want to be able to go out there and average five yards, six yards per rush, and when there's do consistently what you did against BYU. You you get the ball back and you've got a – what was the lead in that game? A touchdown lead? 
you're not giving the football back. You know what? Honestly, I love what Oklahoma's been doing. Just cut out the cute. That, that's why, to me, it's like Andy Kotelicki, if you tell me he's similar to Levy, great. Bring him on down. Do the exact same thing. Just be better running the football. And, uh, you know, not not as much. Let's do this jet sweep. Let's, uh, you know, try this cute, cute play, that cute play. Offensively, it's been pretty good. Yeah. It, here's a really good point from the 405. He's like, how many coaches are being hired from Lincoln staff? Venables has barely been here two years and already has his offensive coordinator getting hired as a better as a head coach, better position. It's good, that's awesome, right? Well, it says that a you made a, a good hire, and b obviously you've had a lot of success. Yeah, oh, I I absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I I do laugh at this. There was some hey, no more about Mississippi State. Well, I mean. We're not talking about Mississippi State. We're talking about what it means for Oklahoma as far as the roster is concerned and, and as far as the coaching staff is concerned. I mean, <laughs> what, what, am I moving too quickly here for uh, you guys today? I don't today? know, but th- this might uh, might upset this indiv- individual, but what, what do you think about it for Mississippi State? Was it's it, a good hire. Was it a great hire from Zach Selman? Based on some of the names that were being thrown around. They couldn't have done better, you don't think? I don't know. Now, it's a pretty big name. If you – it's it is kind of a hire of convenience, uh, convenience yes. because it is someone that you are very familiar with. And, and for Selman, if it goes poorly, his chair is going to heat up faster because of the convenience at play here, the familiarity at play. But, but if it goes great, then it goes great. I mean, do could you even? I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Could you even name like outside of Leach, like who the coach was before Mike Leach? Well, you had you had Mullen, right? Yeah, Dan Mullen, right? And then he got and I I, I don't remember anybody before that. Um, well, after him is what I said. Who came up next? Yeah, no, right, Joe Moorhead. He was there for two seasons. He went eight and five, and then went six and seven. He got fired, and then they brought in Leach in twenty twenty, and yeah. Mike Leach was doing some pretty good things. Uh, then Zach and Ed, uh, Arnett came in, and the bottom fell out. Do you know was sort of just promoted, right? That's right. That's right. Do you know how many ten win seasons that Mississippi State has had in the history of its college football legacy? Oh, I mean, it's got to be super, super small. Um, it's two. Yeah, nineteen forty, they went ten and zero and won the Orange Bowl, and then Dan Mullen had a wait. Oh, hold on, hold. On. I mean, three, three, three ten win seasons. I apologize. 1940, 1998, and 2014. Man, that's a tough job. <laughs> that's a hard job, man. But from the Oklahoma side of it, it's a nice little feather in the cap, right? You, Jeff Levy, whom probably like six, seven years ago, when he's coaching at Southeastern and NAIA school and he's calling plays in, in Florida – Probably could have never even fathomed, you know, having an OC job in a Power 5 conference. And then he gets the UCF gig. And then he goes to Ole Miss. And then he goes for two years to Oklahoma. And he's a head coach in an SEC program. Yeah. I mean. It's been uh, quite the climb back up. Feel how you want about jet sweeps. Or even if you want to 
still hold the fact that our Browse is his father-in-law or that he was at Baylor during that stint. Still pretty incredible climb from what was and where he was. Uh, and then one more, Mark from Enid writes, do you think Brent Venables will look towards an OC that it was at Clemson maybe or something like that? That's why I keep bringing up a couple of the names Yeah, Chad Morris and Jeff Scott is too. Now, Jeff Scott was a dynamic recruiter. But I also don't know. Like I said, I don't even know where he is. Right I don't now. think either of those two names are the next OC. I don't either. But I think they – I do think they warrant keeping an eye on. You seem very confident right now. Who do you think is the next OC? I think it's going to be Latrell or Wells. Matt Wells was Matt Wells was a good offensive coordinator when he was at Utah State. I'm all in on the uh, Andy Kotelnicki train, though. You would take Kotelnicki over <laughs> – if, if, if Brent Venables is on the – Oh, hold on. It, it would have to be on the hotline or the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text that, line. That would be my choice, yes. It couldn't be on the super secret Textoso line. I, I've got a very simple logic here. Mm-hmm. If you can do that at Kansas, come on down. I would like Andy Coltonicki a lot. I really would. But he's got great ties to Kansas. He's got very creative way of looking at things. You might say, what's his tie to Brent Venables? I mean, I don't think you need one. What was Emmett Jones tied to Brent Venables, right? I think we get caught up on this a lot. I'm as guilty as anyone, but he be Brent. There's the tie, right? That's it's kind of how tough it is. So, or at least how tough it is what he was doing. I like Colton Nicky too. Have we taken our bottom of the hour? We need to. All right, it's Plank Show right here on the ref. Um, someone just have they officially announced a acting offensive coordinator, and I missed it. Have you seen anything about Joe John being – here's one that says, how much weight does – I'm just going off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, nothing of the inside information on my phone anymore because Honolulu Sooner doesn't like it. Uh, how much weight does Joe John being promoted to OC at OU play into his decision of going with Levy? I haven't seen that that is official yet, and if it is, I, I missed it. But I don't – I don't think that's necessarily the case yet. To me, there's something to be said about being happy. And there's something to be said about being in a place where you are enjoying your work and your family is happy. I think a lot of us just naturally think that Joe John – is going to uproot everything because he and Lebs are best friends and go with him, which is entirely possible. But Joe John's got a got a lot a lot of it's not official, so I didn't think. Yeah, there hasn't been any announcement from Oklahoma on acting OC. The only thing we've seen was the thank you Jeff post that Brent Venables sent out, which it, is fine. But I, I mean, if he stays, which. I think probably Joe, Joe John, John, who we're talking about. Joe John Finley does, assuming that he's not the offensive coordinator. Is there some sort of promotion? Assistant passing game coordinator, something like that, to go along with the uh, tight ends coach to sweeten the pot, if you will. Well, if if anything, you know, it looks like for now you'd be hiring one coach for now. And Levy Agreed. was in charge as the OC and the quarterbacks coach. So are you bringing in a guy that's going to just go ahead and handle quarterbacks as well? Probably. Probably so. Okay. And if you're not, and then you bring in a guy that doesn't, 
And it'll be interesting to see how those responsibilities are shifted around. Or if it's just internal, Josh, then, you know, if does that internal elevation, if it's Latrell or if it's Wells or if it's a title change, as you mentioned, for Joe John or Beatonbow or whatever, I, I feel like that there is – it's the best way to put this. A lot of work to be done on that front because, you know, he, this is a staff that stayed pretty tight since Brent Venables came in. And now this is the first major move outside of, you know, the unfortunate situation around Kale before the season started last year. And then, you know, having uh, a, a coach kind of work through his first ever full-time assistant coach's job and then bringing in an Emmett Jones, who I think it's fair to say, I don't know how you feel, but I, th- I thought the wide receiver, wide receivers were much better, right? I mean, I do. And that in conjunction with what he's done recruiting, he, he's absolutely been a very successful hire so far. It's just, hey, and again, the reason why it seems kind of fitting that it would be Joe John is at least in the interim role, is because he he's he knows the offense better than anybody. I mean, that's that's what he's been in from day one, essentially with Lebs. Somebody brought up a good point with uh, you know Seth Luttrell and Matt Wells, and okay, did they run something different? And Luttrell does, but you've been here, right? So I mean, is that even really that much of an obstacle anymore? Does that? for both of those guys, lend itself toward continuity. If continuity is important, right? Right. For anybody that's been around here, look, they've been in the meeting rooms. They know how to run this offense. They might not have called it in the past, but I would guarantee if they've been here the last two years, they know what they're doing with it. And then does it become, hey, this is Oklahoma's offense. You're coming here to run this, like Oklahoma State did, right? Like Gundy did. Until Nardo came in, he's like, yeah, just do whatever you want. Is it, hey, no, no, no. You're coming in, this is our offense, and this is what you're going to coach, and this is what you're going to call. Or do you bring in, if it's an Andy Ludwig, and it's like, your show, bro. Let, let's, let, let's, let's get this done. Whatever you want to do. It's a great question. Quick break. We'll continue to debate it next right here on The Ref. Got my Heisman Trophy ballot in the mail this morning, Josh. I saw Adam Rittenberg's tweet, and it kind of – I could not agree more. He said three quick rants. Number one, there's too many Heisman voters. Number two, there's too many lazy Heisman voters. And number three, if you vote before the championship game begins, you are a lazy Heisman voter and don't deserve a vote. Have a great week. Especially this year. Gosh, you got I don't know what to do. I mean, did Jalen Milrow introduce himself to this conversation? What a finish in that game. My goodness. Uh, the A32, we're just going to roll with text. They do our top five stories today and then roll with text. Because I want to get as many questions in here, answered perspective angles. It's a fun day. It's what this station was made for. Uh, the A32. Please tell me why Joe John would be a good candidate. He has been a subpar tight end coach and is an even worse recruiter. I, I would say, do you not give him any. This year was a tough year for the tight end room. It was absolutely imploded by injuries. And Austin Stogner fought and scratched and clawed, but he wasn't the dude he was when he left here, unfortunately. Mitchell's uh, supposed to be a can't-miss tight end prospect. And he reclassified, and he's coming in next year. Number two, who do you give credit then for Braden Willis's improvement? I mean, do you not give Joe John some kudos for that? The only knock I would have for Joe John is just – he doesn't have the, the long track record. 
a play calling experience. No, and that's and that's going to be real interesting. Right? I, I'm not knocking him for hey the tight end production this season, no, and he's some bad recruiter. He's a good recruiter. Guys, I mean, Joe John is also, I mean, he's been at OU for what 21, 22, 23. This is this is he's going into his fourth season here, and. Very highly thought of, but I, I understand that. If you're absolutely just going to judge it on what have you done for me lately, I hear what you're saying. But one of the reasons we we brought this up a while back, and I remember everyone just just, just flaming me for it. I said, you know, when Jeff Levy leaves, one of the top guys that's going to be talked about is Joe John Finley. Oh, no, no way. no. Yes, what? Absolutely. And if he leaves here and if he goes to Mississippi State, good for him. But is he in a better spot if he goes to Mississippi State and isn't calling plays than he might be another season here with Devon Mitchell coming in? Uh, McIntyre, you know, hopefully a Kane Helms and a Jason Llewellyn can do something, right? And health matters a lot for both of those dudes, especially Caden. So, I I mean, to me, I, I understand the concern. I'm not sitting here saying hire him as your offensive coordinator tomorrow, but he's very highly thought of and highly thought of by Brent, too. But, you know, we gave our six, seven names to keep an eye on, and he's one of those three to four in-house candidates that I think will receive consideration for this. All right, top five stories of the day next.